Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Swing and a drive, right field and deep. Back goes Aquino, it's got a chance, gone. Get out the tape measure, long gone. Fly the W! Cubs fans, it's time to fly the W with Dustin Rhodes and Paul Crawley Jean. You are listening to the Fly the W670 podcast, episode seven of season three, The Philosophy of Craig Council, part two. Don't forget to listen, download, review, and most importantly, subscribe to the podcast. Follow us on the socials, Fly the W670 on Twitter, Instagram. Of course, we're on Facebook, and you can email us, Fly the W670 at gmail.com. Crowley, happy Thursday. Yeah, it's uh, we're getting close to the weekend. Should be some fun, and 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 as we get closer to spring training, hopefully more movement keeps happening. We did have some moves happen over. We had the last some moves. Times, we need some. Uh, we need some Cubs moves, Crowley. We need we need some Cubs moves. I feel like the uh, uh, some of the teams are starting to uh, mess with our Cubs, but we'll get that into that in a little bit later. Last episode, we went through a little bit of. Uh, Craig Council audio from CubsCon, and we've got a little bit more to go through, right? Yeah, we talked last time about, you know, Council getting acclimated to the Cubs, how he plans to work on young players, those type of things. But I thought, you know, with what we have this week, it really is kind of going into the nuts and bolts of of day-to-day managing, which kind of excites me, you know, because I do feel, I know he, he really doesn't like, you know, being called a tactician and, you know, he put the big emphasis on clubhouse culture. But I really kind of loved hearing what he had to say, and it got me even more excited. Now, one of the good things, Dustin, about having Craig Council as manager of the Cubs is he is absolutely familiar with the rest of the NL Central teams, right? He knows the players. He knows the ma- you know managers, especially in Milwaukee, right? And so I think that's going to be an advantage. He doesn't have to learn, like, you know, a new league, a new team, a new – you know, I mean, obviously his own team, but he knows all the other teams in the division – so I think it's going to be easy for him to make the transition. But, he, you know, he talked a little bit about the NL Central. And, you know, last year was up for grabs. And, you know, you think that this year, unless somebody does something really big, that it'll, uh, it'll be the same this year. I saw Jed made a comment last night that the offseason's in the fourth or fifth inning. I thought that was, that was interesting. And um, I was like, ah, that's good news, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but he's right. I mean, he's right. Like, and I was, it's, it's, uh, there's not a game until, 
um, you know, April 1st, right, that, that counts on the record. Um, so, so there is a lot of time in this thing. Um, you know, it's, the divisions are always like, there's, to me, there's like, like, you can clearly see there's four teams that are like really in it. And then Pittsburgh's got so many young players that when you, and this is kind of what we were just talking about, when you have a lot of young players, like even Cincinnati got incredible contributions from their young players last year that, that made them an exciting team. Pittsburgh could get those contributions and then be a really exciting team. So that's where a lot of the teams are. Um, St. Louis has really kind of like rebuilt their team, um, added a ton of pitching, which is going to make them formidable. Um, They have, you know, some stalwarts in the middle of their lineup that always make that that are scary people to face and you you plan around and don't look forward to facing. Um, So right now, how I see the division is really wide open. I I don't know. I don't know if you could like, I think there's going to be a lot of, by the time we get to the end of the off season, I really think there's a, there's going to be a, like a lot of teams can win this division. And that's good. That's fun. And that's a challenge for us. And that's how we should see it. So I got a question for you, Dustin. As of today, February or January 25th, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's not, here. let's not get to February. It's <laughs> were January like, 25th. Wait a, minute, wait a minute. What did I miss? What did I, where, what did I miss? Crowley's calendar is a little ahead of mine. Who do you have? How would you see the division, the NL central playing out? Who's first, who's second, who's third speaking today? I think it's real tight. I, I, I mean, I think you could literally, I know this is not the answer you're looking for and the listeners aren't looking for. I, while I'm disappointed where the Cubs are right now, I think you could take the four teams, put it in a cup. You're familiar with the game Ship Captain Crew? Yes. Okay. You could take a die, a Cub die, a Cardinal die, a Brewer die, and a Pittsburgh die, and you could enroll them out. And it... it I think any day all I think they're all equal right now. They're 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 all just okay. You know, Pirates did some stuff that we're going to talk about that you know they are they are they have spent some money. I think all the teams in the division are just okay right now. I don't think there is a a clear cut top of the heap. I mean, if Craig Council is as important as the Cubs are hoping he is, the Brewers should not be on top of this division despite some of the signings that have happened since we last were podcasting together. I don't really like what the Cardinals have done. I don't like the pitchers that they have bought. I, I like and respect a couple of the moves that the Pirates made, but they're still the Pirates until they're not the Pirates. And the Reds, we won't forget about the Reds, like they were getting better, but did they take a couple steps back? Because they really haven't done a whole heck of a lot. So I think it's just a bunch of, eh, right now in the division you i'm gonna go reds one cubs two brewers three cardinals four pirates five as of today well now why reds one i really they they have been a team that has had some of the top prospects top farm system and a lot of those guys graduated uh i think they got a lot of experience i just feel like um they're the best team they're the team to beat for me right now Okay. Uh, I, I would say that the Cubs, if you know, they're not. Like I said, I, I'm not disagreeing with you. Like, just like, no way, Crowley, you are wrong. I just, I see a lot of the, I, I see this right now. I think these teams are just super, super, uh, super tight. I mean, they're just super, they're just right on top of each other. I, I don't, I don't see, I don't see clear separation. I mean, maybe, 
Reds and Pirates. I, I you know, like, but even then, what would you three games? Four yeah, games? Yeah, I, like, I think it's, it's not like close. it's yeah. not five or six. It's not a it's not a two, it's not a two game lead or anything like that. No, there's no clear cut favorites right now. No. It, and it can still and it could change in a heartbeat with one, you know. Hey, Cody Bellinger, what's going on? You know, you're like one move away from really kind of changing things up here. But right now, as of today, that's what I see. But it is going to be a close to division. I think that nobody's running away with this thing. It's it's going to be tight. Yeah, I don't. I agree. No, nobody's nobody, nobody is running away with this thing. And and now, even if the even if the the moves that we really 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 want the Cubs to make, I still don't think they're a runaway winner if they make those moves that we wanted to make. No, there's still steps, a few steps away from that. And so obviously, like you mentioned, the manager, Craig, what difference is he going to make? He was asked about the contract and managing in a big market and how that would affect him. Council signed a five-year, $40 million contract, making him the highest paid manager in baseball. Not only that, he's going from the small market brewers to the big market Cubs. Right. How's, how's he going to adjust to that pressure? And, you know, it's, it's, that's something that, you know, we have yet to see. So here's what he had to say. Yeah, I, I, I really don't because um, I experience it like I, I think I probably worried about that when I first started managing. It's like, do, do I have to do something different? Do I have to act differently as the manager? Um, am, am I supposed to do be a certain way? Yeah. Am I supposed to get mad here and yell at the umpire? Um, you know, am I supposed to have big team meetings where I go rah, rah, you know, like what am I supposed to do? Right. Um, and, and I've learned and I, you have to just do it your way. It has to be comfortable to you. You have to make yourself uncomfortable with some of the things you do. Um, cause that's good for your team and it's good for yourself, but you can't change. And so like the kind of underdog thing, like I'd love to get rid of that, but it'll never get be out of me. It's just, it's just who that I like. Yeah. It's who you ID with. Yeah. It's who I ID with. So I can't help it. Right. Um, and, and like in my own way, that'll become part of this team. Right. Cause it's, it's just who, it's just how I have always processed it. And it's how my life in like professional baseball yeah. has been for the last 30, 35 years. Um, so that, that's just how it is. And then you just got to do it your way. I, I know all the, you know, I'm, I'm quite aware of what has happened um, and, and this position that I'm in. Um, grateful for it, but, but almost like makes me feel like, oh, nobody thinks I can do it now. Like that's how, that's what, that's how I process it. Now, you don't think I can do this. Yeah. Like you don't think I can do it? Watch. <laughs> I get you. <laughs> that Dustin is the competitive spirit and, and, and a guy like Craig council, he wasn't the best player on any team he ever was on. You know what I mean? He had to fight and struggle and probably had doubters every step of the way. And yet here he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 now that he's on the right side of the rivalry, if you will, I, I like, I like the tough talk. I, I like the confident talk. As uh, Jack Polonains used to say, confidence is sexy, don't you think? Oh, okay. yeah. He is a super <laughs> confident guy. But the only thing, Crowley, is you led into that cut. You you led into the fact that um, here's Craig Council going from the small market or mid-market brewers to the big market Cubs. Okay, The only big market thing the Cubs have done so far is Craig Council this offseason. Now, again, there's, there's plenty of time. There's plenty of time. I, I know they signed a – 
a pitcher from Japan, but it wasn't that pitcher from Japan. And they got off pretty lightly on that pitcher from Japan because he clearly wanted to be here and, and didn't want to be anywhere else. Yep. And, and so, you know, I, I think though that I'm hoping Craig Council's personality rubs off on the team in a positive way. I think David Ross's personality uh, rubbed off on the team in a positive way, to be honest with you. I think that, you know, he's kind of a grinder and a guy that, you know, demands accountability. And I think that, th that that's the way the Cubs played last year. I think it's just going to be one step further this year. I do think that council will make a difference. And there are wins that the Cubs left on the table that I think that council would get that Ross will not did not. Now at this point in the convention, Boog turns it over for audience questions. And this is the first question that Craig council will get from a Cub fan. Start with some questions and uh, we will start. Oh, to the left. Hey, there, there he is. Crawley's going to start it off. Go ahead. Hi, Craig. Uh, welcome to the Cubs. I just have uh, questions about your coaching philosophy in regard to three issues. Number one, playing young guys and prospects. Number two, giving time, uh, players rest during the season. And number three, bunting. I love this. Well, so, you know, playing young guys in the season, it's really like the, the best players play, right? That, that's who plays. The players that are going to help us win games. Um, that's who gets to play. That's, we're trying to win games. Um, that's who plays. Um, that's, I think that's how it should be, right? And, th and that's, that's how, you know, young players, at, at some points, you just, what we have to do is that baseball has so many numbers, right? And there's a stat line, so the young player just doesn't have as many of the, those stat lines. And you have to take a leap that this translates to this is a good young player. Um, and it's important that we, every team, um, you know, have young players that are, that are good players. So you want them to play, but you got to earn it. That, that's, that's simple. Um, second question was... I'm all, I'm, I've got bunting on my head already. Well, so just do bunting. <laughs> bunting. Um, look, so you can, the, like, my record will show I do not like to bunt. That'll very clearly show that. Um, however, like, it's, it's, bunting is like, what is the situation? Do I have a player who's good at it? Does the situation call for it? Um, and then if it does and it makes sense, we do it. Um, in general, like bunting is the, the one thing that I always like to explain to fans is that bunting is much harder than people think, and it is not a guaranteed successful play as much as we'd like it to be. I think we love the word sacrifice. It's it's a great word. Like I'm sacrificing for the team. It and it's it's true. You are sacrificing for the team, and we all want to sacrifice for the team. However. If the sacrifice isn't successful, it's not good for the team, <laughs> right? And, and I think that's important. And so bunts, like the, the, if I'm being analytical, like the success rate on a sacrifice bunt is like around 50%, 50 to 60%. So I've got to take that into consideration. As much as I want to practice, we could practice it all day. The success rate is still 50, 60%. And I have to kind of put that through my 
mental computer when I say, does it make sense if we do this? And if we fail at it, does this give us a chance this inning? So that's the nerdy way of explaining yeah. it. Um, but there are players. I'm going to give you an example of a player. Like, you know, like Pete Crow Armstrong, the bunt should be part of his game. He is a, a very fast runner. Um, he's left-handed. Um, he can, it can be a real weapon for him um, to, to be an effective bunter. So, like, there's players that absolutely the bunt makes sense. Um, but using your, the right players to do it, I think, is really important. So going into that, right, going into that question, I knew in my head that I wanted to, you know, those were the three things that bothered me most last year. Number one, mm-hmm. the young players. Number two, the lack of rest, especially down the stretch. And number three, the bunting, Dustin. You know how, how it was like nails on the chalkboard last year. Wrong time, wrong players, bunting for the wrong reasons. Um, when you talk about young players, you remember Nelson Velasquez hits a grand slam in April, and then they don't play him for the next, like, three weeks. Yep. And then same thing happens in September. You got uh, you got Talkman running out of gas, and Alexander Canario hits a grand slam, had six RBIs in a game, and they don't play him again for like a next week or two. I, what he kind of mentioned was the fact is that sometimes baseball becomes so analytical. What am I going to do here? What am I going to do there? And when you have those young players, like Craig mentioned, there is no stat line. You don't have numbers, so maybe you shy away from them because you don't know the success rate Alexander Canario is going to have against said pitcher. But like Craig said, sometimes you got to believe that that's a good player and give him a shot. If a guy drives in six runs on Wednesday, I want him in the lineup on Thursday. That's about as simple as I can put it. Yeah, I mean, play play the hot hand. He said, he said we're going to put the guys in that give us, the Cubs, the best opportunity to win the ballgame. And that's all you can ask for. Now, the other thing is with the bunting is that you know, he he just said, I'm not a big bunter. And there was just so many times last year where David Ross would just bunt for the dumbest reason. And I know kind of with some old school baseball fans, everybody should know how to bunt. That's not realistic. I'm, I'm sorry. First of all, half of these, most of the guys, almost all the guys in the major leagues, they were the best player possibly in the team, the region, the state. You think a coach ever tells uh, Patrick Wisdom back in the day, hey, bunt here. No, every high school no, coach. But I think here, here's the one, one, one little pushback I'd give. And I, it, it, you're saying, you're, you're talking facts, Crowley, okay? But when they did go to the shit, when the shift was the shift and the shift was obnoxious, and I'm glad the shift has basically been outlawed except for the tinkering of it, right? Those that try to, you know, push the rules as much as possible. At that point, when the shift was in existence, they should have practiced bunting a whole lot more. Because there were so many opportunities for guys who had that shift on them to just get on base with an easy bunt. And they weren't taking advantage of that. And I think that was dumb. I guess my pushback would be, again, those guys never learned how to bunt. And then you're going to ask them to do it at the spring highest. Training, spring training, off season. There's, 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 there's time to do that. They got time. But, but here's what I'm going to tell you, Dustin, on that. There's no way you can train for when you're in a bad airs box against a top-notch major league pitcher, pitcher throwing these pitchers now are throwing harder 
and with more spin than ever before. It's yeah. not, it's not as simple as I just saying, you. you know, you. practice a bunt. Like you can put on a batting machine, and just kind of lay down bunts. That's great. That's not the same as being in the not box. The I agree. Some yep. guy throwing 98 miles per hour at your hands. <laughs> it's, it's not the same. You're right. I mean, listen, we can, yeah, it's a, it's a small little thing and now it doesn't matter because the shift is outlawed. So now I'm, I'm with you hundred percent. So no, no more bunt. And we heard Jed, I mean, Jed end of the season interview, right? I think it was with Mully and Haw mm-hmm. kind of without saying he was disappointed in um, David Ross about the bunting said he was disappointed in David Ross with the bunting. Right. I, I remember there's a game, I think it was Patrick wisdom was up to bat and it was like the seventh inning or something like that. You can't give away outs like that, especially with a guy that doesn't know how to bunt really well. It's not. Well, his and that's the other set. part. What did you just say? You he doesn't bunt really give, well. He's no, no, no. Outs you, out? can't, you can't give up the outs. Can't give right. up the outs like that. That that's, I think that's important. The one thing though, that he mentioned that was, that kind of raised some eyebrows is having P Crow Armstrong be out of that game. And then again, you're thinking, what do you got with PCA? You got a left-hander. So you're going to be right going down that line. Right. And, and, and he is fast as lightning. And so, you know, I know PCA is a guy that, you know, likes to hit for power and stuff like that, but he also strikes out a lot. The bunt could be a very big part of his game and could make him his defense. If you listened to Jeffrey when he was from baseball perspective, his defense alone is going to make him worth being on a major league roster. But if he can start bunting and stealing bases and and you don't need him to hit 30 home runs, I mean, that's not his game. And so I hope that's something that they kind of work on. It'll be exciting. So um, it was fun to hear that question. Now, Dustin, the next question, the next thing that he talked about is lineup construction, which was another point of contention mm-hmm. for Cub fans with David. Mm-hmm. Here's how he replied to that. Yeah. So, I mean, like probably general philosophy is just let the best hitters hit the most. That that would be the, the, the general philosophy. Um, and then I think, and then I, and I think, you know, you have to sprinkle in like, as we get later in the game, teams use bullpens and, and matchups become like trying not to make it too easy for another team's manager to put a reliever in the bullpen that kind of kind of run through with matchups. So that means spacing some left-handers and right-handers out. Um, but that would be that would be like the simple way I look at it. Um, and there, there's I think we in general probably get pretty caught up in lineups. Uh, it's probably more important, like who plays, than like what the actual lineup is. Um, but but you know, lineups are fun, and they're they're a fun thing to talk about. They're a fun thing to look at, and I probably spend too much time looking at them. Um, I probably spend too much time worrying about them. To be honest with you. Have you written a lineup down or like messed around with it? I I, I was gonna, but then Jed Hoyer said it was the fourth inning, so I didn't have to. Yeah. <laughs> I <laughs> love it. It's good enough. <laughs> um, hey, no, but I, I, you know, of course, yeah, you, you think about it for sure. Uh, I asked all the coaches to do it. Um, did you really? I did, yeah. And, and to give it to you? Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I did that just as an exercise to um, kind of just kind of see what they were thinking. Yep. Um, and it was, it was interesting. And I, and I wanted to get some, I wanted to like learn something like what, what do, you know, people within the organization think about players that maybe I haven't thought about. Wasn't that fascinating? Love it. 
Absolutely. Absolutely love it. I love the idea of asking, of asking his coaching staff to write out a, uh, a lineup. I, I think that's an excellent way of doing things. Right. Like, what do you think of these players? If you were in charge, how would you do it? And it's not saying I'm going to take your ideas, but Hey, maybe there's something that I'm missing that you see. Like, again, if you're talking about, uh, you know, Dustin Kelly, the hitting coach, or you're talking about some, you know, John Maley, who knows a lot of these guys anyway, it's an interesting thing. Now he did not ask Tommy how He did say that he did ask Tommy how about the pitching rotation, but I thought it was brilliant. And how many times Dustin, did we ask, please, for the love of God, put Cody Bellinger batting third, like to the point where I was turning blue in the face. I, I just could not stand to see that. Not, but if, not you ever, if you were able to ask that question of Cody Bellinger, like, you know, is that something that you shied away from? Is that something that you and David Ross ever even talked about? Right. My, my guess would the answer to be that would, to, would be no. And I, I just what, think, which part? I don't think that they ever talked about it. I don't think, I don't think they ever talked about it. I think that Cody Bellinger is an MVP, a rookie of the year. I don't think he has any problem batting third. Here's the thing. Have your best guys getting the most at bats. I like having your best hitter batting third so that he has as many at bats as he can, especially with a couple guys on base. That ideally to me is the way that you do it. And it just felt to me like he, like I thought that David Ross was being stubborn with Ian Happ. That's my opinion. All right. I, I, I'm down with that. I, I like that take. I like that take. So we've got uh, we've got one more on Craig, right? Um, well, we got the pitcher's innings. He he kind of talked about pitching, and it, it was interesting because this is just a whole new world than when we grew up even, right. you know, and, and what you expect out of pitchers. And uh, there was a funny fan named Marsha who was upset about pulling when you pull a pitcher and all that stuff. And, and it's interesting to kind of listen to him say what he had to say. So wants the starter, I think like you want them to pitch well, as long as they can, it, it's, it's helpful for the next game. Uh, it's helpful for the relievers to get them rest. Lots of decisions really are made on like one. And one of the things, the hard <coughs> parts, even for me is like, we're making a lot of decisions like based on player trying to keep players healthy and productive for a full season. Um, and we, we don't know if there's no, there's no data behind there's, it's hard to get like hard and fast, like numbers behind that. So, you know, sometimes when we're taking a pitcher out, um, you know, I might not say it too, but it's just time for him to go be done with the game. He's, he's tired. We're not going to, tell everybody that he was tired but he's it's he's done um and it's also about him he has to pitch in four more days and be good the next four days and he also has to make 20 more starts for the season and making sure that he can do that is is more important than the next inning right like it is like we have to trust the reliever will get those three outs and and that we've kept this guy healthy for the next 20 starts is going to lead to more Cubs wins. Again, I, I thought that he was a hundred percent honest on that. That was a brutally honest, yeah, very honest, very honest, you know, you know? I mean, that, and again, this is another reason why you as an organization decide to pay somebody the kind of money that they're paying him because they believe that he's got a pulse. He's got his finger on the button and he knows exactly when to, you know, hold them and when to fold them, if you will. Right. And, and sometimes, you know what, you have to do your job as a reliever. Yeah. Maybe one guy was cruising. Maybe you could have gotten another inning out of the starter, but you, Craig is playing the long game. We need these guys to pitch. 
I mean, you saw what happened when Stroman was down in the first after the first half. I mean, if all of a sudden a guy goes one more inning than he should and he get kind of gets injured or he gets beat around the next start, you got to be able to turn it over to your bullpen. And, and and those guys, those guys have to do their job. They have to get those three outs that they're supposed to get or however many. And, and if, if they don't, then that's on the bullpen. And and you can't sit there and say, well, you should have kept them in one more inning. Hey, again, he has to try to get them healthy through a season. You want to know uh, what, what makes a team win is having health a lot of times. It really is who can stay healthiest the longest. Yeah, big now, part clearly of it. You, big part of it. Yep. You got to have talent. But at the same time, yeah. if that talent gets healthy, injured. Healthy talent. <laughs> healthy talent. And then this is Craig on the bullpen. I think bullpens in spring training, it's interesting. Like, I will tell you that, like, I don't know what, by the end of spring training, we'll have probably eight to nine players in our bullpen. Like, to, to tell you that I will have figured out their roles for the season, I will not. Like, and I will, whatever I tell the media like the last week of spring training about their roles i'll probably be wrong <laughs> you know i won't get it right be and that's kind of the nature of bullpens is that you know what i'm really hopeful of and excited about about this group of players that'll be in the bullpen mix is that we've got a lot we've got a good number of players and some of them will take big i am confident that there'll be some players that take steps forward this year so as the players, it's most important for us to recognize as these players take steps forward and as they're having a healthy, good season, that we get them into like, you know, bigger roles or more leveraged situations. And that's kind of how bullpens, bullpens are really like a changing thing during a season. Yeah, and it's recognizing fluid. It, recognizing it's important. Do you communicate roles to players, whether it's, in the bullpen, starters, position players, how compelled do you feel the need to over-explain what's going to happen, what your thought process is? Does it depend on the player? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I'll communicate with the player. Like, I don't, on specifics, on roles, it's like, uh, you know, you never want to say something and then change your mind two days later, right? So it's, it's how you do that is important. But there, there's certainly... You know, we'll get to a point where the player knows that, um, you know, this is if, if we're winning, if we're losing, he's probably not going to pitch. If, if he's winning, he's, he's got a chance to pitch that day. So I know, Dustin, you always say get the three outs whenever, but, you know, bullet, bullpens are volatile, and I think he understands that. And so I think in general, you know, very curious to see. He's had a lot of success in Milwaukee with bullpens, so hopefully that translates here. I did add one final clip for you, Dustin, because I know on the Mully and Haw show, you guys have Tommy Hadovy as a guest, and I thought this was absolutely great when Craig Council was talking about Tommy Hadovy. Well, it's, you know, I think from our first conversation, I've been really excited. I've always been an admirer of Tommy from across the, across the way, for sure. He's just, he just, there's a, and, and I, that is, have not, not spoken a word with him really um, bef before, you know, a couple of months ago. But he just, there's a presence about Tommy just, this is going to sound weird, but just walking onto the field and, and just staring at him in the dugout. You know what's funny about <laughs> coaches is that I've learned, like, they, the Cubs coaches, we spend a lot of time just kind of looking at each other when you're a coach, like across the dugout. And we, it's like very nonverbal, and you're trying to figure out what everybody's doing. And, and um, 
so like I felt like I was the I had the Cubs coaches they were all like analyzing me like my movements in the dugout and 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 I do that with Tommy but I do that with Tommy too looking at Tommy and like what is he thinking and you always do that that's part of it <laughs> so a lot of respect and I, I'm really looking forward to those two and what they can cook up yeah I think it's going to be a good uh a good partnership no doubt you are listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. It's season three. It's episode seven, The Philosophy of Craig Council, part two. Don't forget to listen, download, review, and subscribe to the Fly the W podcast. And don't forget to give us a five-star review. In this segment, Crawley interviews Alex Cohen, play-by-play voice of your Iowa Cubs, who recently was named the 2023 Digital Broadcaster of the Year. We talked to Alex about the award and his career in broadcasting. Joining me now on the Fly the W podcast, I'm happy to have on our old friend Alex Cohen, play-by-play broadcaster of the Iowa Cubs. Alex, long time no see. How you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, the only thing that would be better if it was about mm, 30 degrees warmer with uh, not a foot of snow on the ground. But you know, also, aside, aside from that, we're doing all right. It also would have been better if there wasn't a massive snowstorm and you got to go to CubsCon with us. No. Man, we missed you. I know. Mother Nature was not compliant. Uh, I was ready to fly on Friday and, and come hang out with you guys for the weekend. But, uh, yeah, Mother Nature had other plans, unfortunately. All right. Well, I invited you on the show because you received a prestigious award, the 2023 Digital Broadcaster of the Year Award from Baseball Digest. Yep. How did you find out that you won this award? Yeah, so they called me about a week and a half ago and just said that, uh, yeah, you were nominated and then you were honored as the 2023 Ballpark Digest Broadcaster of the Year. And, you know, that's an award that you know, I've seen you know, many people win. Uh, you know, Melanie Newman, Baltimore Orioles, Mick Gillespie, Tennessee Smokies, part of our Cubs family, uh, you know, a guy who I looked up to, you know, and Mick, and then Steve Klauke, who helped get me into this industry. He won uh, with the Salt Lake B about 10 15 years ago so it was uh it was quite an honor it is quite an honor and it's something that you know i definitely wasn't expecting i definitely didn't vote for myself definitely didn't slide anybody venmo payments uh <laughs> but i got it all organically and you know it's been uh it's really been an incredible week hearing from people getting the honor the article coming out uh then being able to to talk to people about it now, Alex, I've had a chance to talk to a lot of broadcasters, and, and there's usually some sort of influence on them, the people that maybe, you know, were kind of like the soundtrack of their baseball yeah. life, whether it was Vin Scully or Jack Buck or for a lot of us here in the Chicagoland area, Harry Carey. Yeah. Uh, who was the man that kind of influenced you as far as baseball, baseball broadcasting when you grew up? Yeah, uh, I, I think that's kind of an evolving question. Um, yeah, I remember growing up in Philadelphia early in my life, uh, listening to Phillies games, Harry Callis for the Phillies, Merrill Reese for the Eagles. So I listened to them all the time. But now, you know, being with the Cubs organization for, you know, almost 25% of my life, <laughs> listen to Pat Hughes every game. Um, and Pat's a Hall of Famer and for good reason. So you listen to Pat, you do what he does, odds are you're going to be okay. So I think – you know, current influences, most recent influences. I got to go with the Cubs broadcasters, Pat Hughes, you know, Len Casper, obviously he was a big influence. Uh, Boog Shambi, I think is one of the best TV broadcasters in baseball. So, you know, I think the city of Chicago has done it pretty well for quite some time. And just listening to those voices on my day off, on my bus rides, on my plane rides, it's really helped craft what I want to do into, you know, being the broadcaster that I want to be. 
Now you broadcasted about any sport you could at Indiana University Bloomington, and then you moved on to your first baseball-related internship with the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs. How did that internship affect the way you felt about working in baseball? Well, I I knew for a long time that I wanted to work in baseball. Uh, when I went to Indiana University, you know, did student radio. But the goal in mind was to call baseball games, play baseball in high school. Uh, when I was in high school, I was broadcasting, as you said, you know, everything I could get my hands on, you know, football, basketball, hockey, field hockey, swimming, anything. But I played baseball in high school. So baseball was the last sport that I broadcasted. But I knew pretty quickly that, you know, that was a route that I was going to go towards. And then in the two years with the Lehigh Valley Iron Picks, just kind of going through the baseball grind, the you know, 150 games in 162 days and getting to know the broadcast teams, the players, the coaches, the staff. It, it's just one big, most of the time happy, sometimes not so happy <laughs> family, but um, you learn to love it and really encompasses all the definitions of, of love. I mean, you adore it, you live it, you breathe it, you, there's blood, sweat, and tears that goes into it. And that was 2009 and now it's 2024. So simple math. I mean, it's been 15 years and, you know, still in it and still love it. Uh, that, that's, that's the thing right there. And, and so you broadcast some independent ball in 2011 yep. and then in the off season, you were doing some basketball for the new Jersey Institute of technology Highlanders. Right. I bet that was fun to say on there, right? Yeah. And, well, we, you know, we did it for short. It was NJIT, but uh, yeah, just, it was, it was an hour from where I grew up. So, you know, made the commute a little bit easier. Um, did men's and women's basketball and, and yeah, that's what I, uh, I was trying to get more full season baseball jobs and spent the off season, you know, in hotel rooms, traveling with the basketball team, but applying for minor league baseball jobs. And you applied for a ton of them. 250 emails in a span of five days. Couldn't really sleep. Uh, you know, just a battle of insomnia and I wanted to make it productive. So, <laughs> so, so the, the insomnia actually helped in that situation. Yeah. Now you're going to get a job with the Huntsville stars, double a team, but you also had a unique opportunity to broadcast in Australia. Yeah. How did that come about and how much fun and what did you learn down there? Well, first of all, it was a lot of fun. Um, it was probably the best three months of my entire life. It was like studying abroad, but just baseball instead of academics. So it was incredible, but uh, the opportunity just, I won't say fell into my lap, but I got pretty lucky. So uh, I was a broadcaster for the Huntsville Stars for two years. Uh, then they got sold and became the Biloxi Shuckers and didn't have a broadcaster for one year. So I kind of shifted my path and went to Oakland, California, was a broadcast media relations assistant uh, for the Oakland Athletics for a summer in 2014. Uh, just kind of re reconfigured my broadcast. You know, when you're a broadcaster at 23, 24 years old, and you do 140 games by yourself, like I was in Huntsville, you develop good habits, but you also develop bad habits. So I thought, you know, at that time, it was a really good reset. Um, when I was out in California, Craig Durham, who uh, broadcast for the Mobile Bay Bears in the Southern League with the Huntsville Stars, he was out in Australia. He called me and said, you know, I just had a great year out here with the Melbourne Aces. I'm going to head back home. Me and my girlfriend were moving back to Canada. Are you interested? It took me like three seconds to say yes. Took me a week to get interviewed. Took me a week to get hired. And then I got my visa and then I got on a flight. So it was really all that quickly. Wow. That, and, and again, you know, you don't really think about Australia really being a baseball kind of hotbed. You know what I mean? It wasn't. Yeah, I, I think that you know, probably wasn't the fifth most popular sport. It might have been the 10th. Uh, <laughs> but you go out there and. Yeah, I remember the first game that I called, it was double play, 6-4-3 double play. 
And one of the listeners like, what is a 6-4-3 double play? What does that mean? They don't know. Uh, it was kind of like baseball 101 to them. So I, I kind of learned that, you know, the common denominator of fan is not like you. And it's not like me, who's baseball rabbit fan base, like watches, listens to every game you have to appeal to every single type of listener. And that might be somebody who doesn't know the game. That might be somebody who just wants to hear their son's name or grandson's name or significant other's name on the broadcast. So you have to appeal to everybody. And I think that summer or summer out there, winter out here, taught me that there is more than just one general fan to baseball. And you have to appeal to everybody. Now you get that job broadcasting for the Iowa Cubs in 2018. And I will tell you, Alex, I've been, I've been out there to principal park and, and it is a very dedicated fan base. I remember talking to so many people from Iowa at different Cubs conventions. When did you realize that the Iowa Cubs job was different than a lot of other minor league jobs? That's a great question. Uh, it was, uh, so my first year was 2018, as you said, uh, August, 2018. Uh, And I remember that because, you know, the Iowa Cubs really struggled in 2018, one of the worst teams in minor league baseball record wise. Uh, But August came around and Chris Bryant came on a major league rehab stint. And on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday at Principal Park, when the team was 40 games under 500, I think we averaged like 10,300 fans per game. It was insane. Uh, and, And that's when I realized like, whoa, like this is, you know, most of the time, August, end of the year, team is bad. You're lucky to get 1,000 fans or where I was at prior to that in double-A, single-A baseball. Uh, but to get 10,000-plus fans on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday night, albeit for a rehab, I mean, that was pretty special to see. Yeah, that, that'll definitely play, right? And so when you're kind of looking at all of this, you get to Iowa. And, Alex, you know, I've, I, I find myself trying to really learn about people, and I didn't know this about you, and I'm kind of upset about this. Don't be upset. You, you, you settle down, you, you meet a nice girl, you're going to get engaged. And then all of a sudden you somehow end up on HGTV's <laughs> house hunters. Yeah. A picture of you and your lovely wife. How on God's green earth did that happen? And and I got to find this. I got to watch it on YouTube or something. Well, all right, Crawley. It is uh, season 199 episode uh, 13. Long distance dilemma in Des Moines. It is 22 minutes. You'll never get back, but never forget. Um, yeah, so it was actually on my birthday in 2020, uh, Tessa, my, you know, fiance at that time, uh, now wife woke up and just like, Hey, I'm going to apply for us to be on HDTV. We're like, all right. I'm like, fine. Knock yourself out. Online application. Go do it. And I don't care. Uh, t- yeah, about 15 days later, we get a call saying like, Hey, you know, you're interested in house hunters. I mean, sure. Why not? Uh, did the interview and then two weeks later they were filming in Des Moines so it was five days of filming they took us to three homes we got one and yeah yeah we're still in the house and we're married and you know contrary to popular belief or what Twitter believes because I got absolutely eviscerated uh, we're happy and everything's good so (laughs) all righty so as you're sitting here right you know and once the Cubs start having marquee that comes out 2020 it's now evolved where they're really kind of bringing all the Cubs affiliates, you know, games, broadcasting. What's it like knowing when you when you got to broadcast a, a big game and you know that there's been so many interesting prospects that people are watching? Yeah. You know, that team you had last year, absolutely unbelievable. And you know everybody's watching. How do you kind of prepare for that kind of game as opposed to, say, a regular game like on a Tuesday night with a smaller crowd? Well, you just have to make it, you know – 
bring comparisons to the Chicago Cubs. I mean, it's not just Iowa Cubs, win or lose, you know, those nine innings. When we're broadcasting to the marquee audience, how this team applies to the Chicago Cubs. You know, the I-80 shuffle, are guys going to get called up? Um, are there injuries at the big league level? Are we around the trade deadline? So are these guys getting dealt? You know, are they in trade rumors? So it, it's a much more broad broadcast, um, especially being the affiliate right below the Chicago Cubs. You really have to be in tune with what the big league team is doing, how healthy they are, what their pitching rotation is like, how guys are hitting against righties, how they're hitting against lefties. And then comparing that to the guys at the AAA level, you know, if there's a deficiency up in the big leagues, how the Iowa Cubs will be able to counter that. If they're doing some things well, how they can help the big league club. Now, Alex, I know that you've called some spring training games for the on the radio for 670, yeah. the score. Obviously, you've called, like we said, we talked, you called some games on marquee. And, mm-hmm. you know, you sometimes, you know, when you're by yourself, you're doing, you know, just the broadcast just on your own. Yeah. Other times that when like the score and marquee are involved, you have different partners. What have you learned uh, from some of the partners you've gotten to work with so far? Yeah, so uh, doing the spring training games last year for the score, doing the first one, uh, just being able to listen to Ron Coomer for three hours was like baseball tutorial right there. I mean, he has more information and more experience in his you know, pinky finger than I do in my entire brain. So just you know, being able to get as much as I possibly can out of the color analysts. I mean, Ron Coomer played, Ryan Dempster played, Jim Deshays played. I played high school baseball. So there's a very <laughs> clear difference between what they've been able to experience at the big league level, them being in spring training, them being in those locker rooms, them, you know, waiting for those, you know, 25, 26 man rosters to finally be announced. So I think the fans want to hear them talking about that more than me talking about that. So just being able to use their experience, what they've gone through um, and their baseball background to the broadcast advantage. It just seems like whoever you work with, you're having a good time, whether it's Elise or, you know, Demp or, or, or Coomdog, you know, Coomdog's memory, like it just blows my mind. Like the minutia details. It's, like it's absolutely insane. Like, I feel like I could go to Ron Coomer and be like, all right, take me through this at bat of June of 1993. And he'd be like, oh, yeah, three-two pitch, gave me a slider in the dirt, and I hit it the opposite way. I mean, it's just – it's incredible. I mean, and there's a lot of baseball people like that, but, you know, Coom is just so intelligent, and he makes things so easy on a play-by-play broadcaster because he genuinely loves the game. He loves the direction that the game is going in. So having somebody that's that positive about, one, baseball, two, the Cubs organization, I mean, it just makes for that much more pleasant broadcast. Now, I know that the AAA is very different from other levels of minor leagues because a lot of the players are shuttling back and forth to the big league club and not. And obviously, you know, the ultimate goal of AAA isn't to win the championship. It's to kind of keep feeding those talented players up to the major league to help the major league roster out. But, Alex, I'm just putting this out here. We had the, what, South Bend Cubs win it all in 2020. What was it? Two? Yeah, 22. You got it. 22. And then you had Tennessee and Mick Gillespie on the call, 2023. BK and Max had it in 2022. There's a group, and, 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 you know, they've been moving up together. And, yeah, Yeah. some of the guys like PCA are going to move up there. But there's a lot of depth. Do you ever think of that possibility of calling an Iowa Cubs championship game? Yeah, man, I I want another ring. I I got my wedding ring, and it's great. But I I would love a a 2024 Iowa Cubs uh, International League Championship or Pacific – yeah, or or AAA Baseball Championship ring. So, um, yeah, it definitely crosses my mind. I mean, this minor leagues – yeah 
situation that the Cubs are in right now in 22 and 23, they've shown two things. They've shown that they can hit and they've shown that they can win. So that happened at the high A level, happened at the double A level. And, you know, just with the progression, hopefully that happens at the triple A level. Oh man, uh, you know we were pretty lucky last year. We were two and zero when we came and visited you. We had a where you got to see the walk off. Got to see the Alex, yeah, the the walk off was Alex Rios, you Ed, know, Edwin Rios, yep, Edwin Rios, and then we yep. got to see the uh, opening day massacre. You guys pounded them, yep. And so we were we were two and zero. We had some we had some good luck. So I'm hoping that this year we can come back down and visit you because you know it, it is really a lot of fun down in Iowa. I, I'm not going to lie to you. I, you know, when, before I ever came, you know, went to an Iowa Cubs game, I was like, hey, what, what's going to be in Des Moines? It's pretty, it's a fun city. You guys have a lot going on. And especially after the game, everyone just kind of rolls together. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, it, it's a lot of fun. And and I, I'm well aware of my biases, but there is no better minor league atmosphere that I've been around in 15 years than a Friday night fireworks June, July at Principal Park. When you get 10,000, 11,000 people there, you got to see the walk-off home run from Evan Rios. So when the Cubs win, I mean, it's it's special, man. It really is. It's a special atmosphere, and it's something that, you know, I've been here for six years, about to be seven, and it's, and it's not a broadcast situation, not an organization that I take for granted. Well, Alex, you know, the, the article is in Baseball Digest, and it, it's I encourage everybody to read it because a lot of your um, – co-workers and superiors just had some of the really nicest things to say. And I'm not going to do it right now over here to get your ego any bigger, but uh, um, I, I would say that just, they were very accurate in their description of what Thank you do because you're so good at what you do. And, and we are so blessed to have just amazing affiliates all the way up and down, amazing broadcasters. And, and to get that award, that's gotta be a lot of fun. Alex, do me a favor and tell our listeners where they can find you on the socials. Yeah, you can find me at uh, on Twitter at Voice of Cohen 2. Uh, you should go on the feed now. I was going back and forth with the fan talking about why Ian Happ is a top 10 left fielder in Major League Baseball right now. So, uh, yeah, at Voice of Cohen 2, uh, Instagram at Voice of Cohen. And then you can always check out uh, iowacubs.com at iowacubs, uh, where we have all of our stuff pretty conveniently located. So, And, and you brought up a really great point. Uh, you know, the Cubs minor league system is loaded with stack broadcasters. Mick Gillespie, a minor league broadcaster of the year, uh, Ballpark Digest as well. So we're part of that tight-knit fraternity. But also, you know, Max and BK do such a great job at South Bend. And then Sam in South Bend, or Sam in uh, Myrtle Beach. He's awesome. So uh, we're really, really lucky. Also, shout out Richie Giuliani. Did a great job in Tennessee along with Mick, too. So, uh, you know, everyone has, has made baseball really, really fun, starting with Pat Hughes and Boog up top uh, to everybody in the minor league system. So we're pretty lucky. Absolutely. And I look forward to hearing your calls this summer. And, and I'm, I'm going to be waiting to next next year in Mesa to see you get the ring on, on your finger. All right. That's right, baby. We're, we'll get my my ring fitted. We'll get my uh, hopefully my fingers shrink a little bit. They're kind of swollen. But uh, no, I, I appreciate it, Carl. I appreciate all the support. And uh, we're looking forward to seeing you at Principal Park this year. Absolutely, my friend. You take care. Thanks, man. This is the Fly the W670 podcast, the philosophy of Craig Council, part two. It's season three. It's episode eight. Don't forget to drop Crowley and I a five-star review. Follow Fly the W on all your social media platforms. Crowley, you're a newsbreaker now. Always, man. I love breaking news. And if you follow me on Twitter at Crowley's Cubs, it's always happening. You know my guys at the Chicago Sports Spectacular for the first time since his career ended, Sammy Sosa is coming back to Chicago to do an autograph signing 
at the Spectacular in Rosemont, the 15th, 16th, and 17th of March. And, you know, this is what Sammy had to say to the fans. This is Sammy Sosa. I'm coming to Chicago. Looking forward to see you at the Chicago Sports Spectacular on March 16th, 17th. Hope to see you there. Thank you very much, and God bless. Yes. How exciting is that, Dustin? Uh, very cool. Um, I'm glad he's coming back and maybe this will be an entree into, uh, getting back into the good graces of the uh, Cubs ownership. A lot of passionate calls and texts the uh, following morning after uh, that news. Uh, the one thing I was curious about that I didn't see, and maybe you can break some more news or at least break it to this Cubs fan. What, uh, what kind of, uh, do re me are we going to have to hand out to get a Sammy Sosa, signature the pricing has not been set yet okay but i gotta tell you it isn't going to be cheap this is a guy that hasn't done autograph signing since 2004 before then even and so there are so many people that need sammy in their collections now i've been able to get a lot of things done in private um private signings i have not ever done anything with sammy in a public uh setting so it's going to be cool i think it's going to be chaotic uh, but if you want to see Sammy, you never know with Sammy. That's the thing. So will you, will you get shot. something? Will you get something signed at this event? I have nothing for Sammy to get signed. Okay, uh, if I was signed. Okay. If I was there, I would want to get a picture taken with Sammy. That would be my one goal. But unfortunately, Dustin, I'm going to be in spring training. Ah, that's when you're out there. That's right. A, and I, and I never, line, that I doesn't ne- line up very well. Well, Dustin, here's the thing. I never go to spring training during that weekend because the spectacular is always that weekend. I haven't missed it in 20 years. But I'm at the point but. where my, <laughs> we're at the point where my autograph collection, I'm missing. I, I can put it on. I, I actually have like a little notes thing. It's down to like less than nine autographs that I need to finish my collection. And there's well, a lot okay, of those. So now, okay. So again, as a good listener, okay. And I, I know if I was not part of this podcast. I'd be listening to this podcast if it was you and somebody else. So you got to know what my follow-up is. Yeah. What, what are the nine missing autographs in Crowley's collection? So the main thing right now is John Lackey, Jake Arietta, and John Lester. Those guys have, I, there's a 16 by 20 that I need signed. There's a sports illustrated cover I need done by Starlin Castro Oh, I'm trying to think. I think there's a pitching rubber I need signed by Carrie Wood and a couple other little things, but that's about it. As far as Sammy, I got everything. Soriano, it's 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 pretty much coming together. It's just the those guys from 2016 that have kind of disappeared. So most of the most everything else I got. There's really not too much. Yeah, Baez, I need a World Series um, 16 by 20 and a Sports Illustrated cover. And there's a Greg Maddox 16 by 20 I need signed. So that's about it. Okay. There you go. So we're getting there. You go, Cub Cub fans. Crowley's uh, got a couple more uh, pieces to get uh, done, and then the autograph uh, collection is done. Okay. Yeah. For now. (laughs) But I will tell you this: there there will be more on this, and this is just the beginning. Sammy has had many offers to come here. He's turned them all down. He wants to be back in Chicago. This is just the beginning, Cub fans. Keeping that in mind. All right, Crowley, we've had a little bit of uh, action on the free agency front. Uh, I don't know if it's hot, 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 but there has been some action, and we kind of uh, uh, tinkered with it a little bit, referred to a little bit of it, if you will, in the first segment of today's podcast. 
Yep. Joey Gallo signs a one-year $5 million deal with the Nationals. Lefty reliever Matt Moore signed a one-year $9 million deal with the Angels. Former Cub Araldis Chapman signed a one-year $10 million deal with the Pirates. And Dustin, I know you've been waiting for this one. The uh, former Phillies first base DH, Reese Hoskins, who we looked at plenty, signed a two-year $34 million deal with the Brewers. The deal includes a player opt-out after one year. So this is very similar to the Cody Bellinger deal, the pillow contract where after a year, if, if Reese Hoskins is absolutely killing it, he's opting out. If he's not killing it, he stays in, and Milwaukee's taking a gamble and would have to pay another $17 million the following year. So, What do you think? I mean, it seems it's a lot of money, but I feel like the Brewers are kind of messing with the Cubs a little bit with this signing. I don't know. I think once the Cubs traded for Michael Bush, I think that they, I think a lot of people are really curious to see what Michael Bush has to offer. Uh, as far as Hoskins is concerned, you know, could they be messing with them? The Brewers very badly needed a first baseman. They struggled last year. Rowdy Telez did not, you know, took a couple step backs. He regressed. So I, it was definitely a position of need that they had. And it was, it, it's not like a, a, a terrible deal. You know what I mean? It's like, okay. Yep. You're so right get- now, so right now, Nicky Madrigal is the Cubs' starting third baseman if they got to play on Sunday, huh? Uh, right now, it looks like it, or Patrick Wisdom, something to that degree, but okay. you know, it wouldn't be that much different. And is it going to be Christopher Morrell? We've talked about that before. Yeah, uh, we've seen that. I don't know if I, I don't know if I want to look at that anymore. I've now, tra- that. one other thing, Trey Mancini, who the Cubs are paying seven million dollars not to play this year, got a minor league contract with the Marlins with an invite to Major League spring training but Dustin if we take a look at our board we did scratch off Reese Hoskins off our wish list so still on there uh Blake Snell is still available uh I don't think Cease is going anywhere I'm not sure about Alonzo as far as trade targets but uh that that tier two that Jordan Montgomery Matt Chapman Cody Bellinger I don't think Matt Chapman's coming to the Cubs or Jordan Montgomery but Cody is obviously clearly the biggest names why why not why not Matt Chapman I think that if you're going to sign him, I mean, if it's one of those pillow deals, same thing, two years opt out, I think they would do that. But I think he wants a five, six year deal. And I think that the Cubs really, truly believe in Matt Shaw. And so do a lot of other experts. If And then there's only one position he could play for the Cubs, which is third. And where, so I, where are you right now with Bellinger, Crowley? You got a date? You got a date in the, on your mind? Did you put a little, did you put anything on your cell phone? Like by this date, it's, you know, move on to something else? Or what, what are you thinking? No, I mean, what think, about what about Jorge Soler for a DH? I mean, why couldn't you do both? To be honest, but well, Bellin- sure, but do something. Bellinger, do I would something. say more than anything, is a guy that you can wait on because you're familiar with each other. You get what I'm saying? He knows the Cubs spring training facilities. He would know where he would live in the you know when the season came. That it's much harder for a player once they start getting into this idea of okay, it's February. Where's my family going to live? Um, where, which team am I going to? I don't know how to even get to the spring training facility. I think with Bellinger, you, you're not having to deal with all that, so you have the luxury of waiting longer. I know nobody wants to hear that, but you know, I think it's really going to be a staring contest between Jed and Boris, and we'll see if Bellinger at some point in time just says, you know what, what what's the Cubs' best offer? And, and go from there and try to try to hammer it out. I think if you're talking about five, six years, $150 million, I think that's something the Cubs are comfortable with. If you're going with what Boris is saying, a $200 million, I don't think the Cubs are doing that. 
All right. I got a lot more on this. We'll save it for the next podcast on Monday. We're uh, a little bit tight. Don't want to use up everybody's time right now. Let's uh, talk a little bit about the HOF 2024 class. HOF 2024 class. Todd Helton on his sixth ballot makes it in with 79.7%. You need 75. Adrian Beltre, 95%. I thought that was pretty high, Dustin. I don't know about I you did, on that. I, I did too. Yep. Good and player, then, but high. Yep. 95. Yeah, that's high. And then Joe Maurer at 76. So both Beltre and Maurer were first timers on the ballot. First ballot Hall of Famers. But if you're telling me Adrian Beltre is a first ballot Hall of Famer with 95%, you know, Ryan Sandberg took him at least, was I think on his third try? Uh, I don't know. Uh, Billy Wagner just falls short at 73%. Sheffield is done. He is he made, he had 63, and that's as high as he's going to get. Andrew Jones, we'll see if he ever gets the love, but he's kind of stuck at around 61. He's only got three more tries at this. Uh, Beltran, I thought, you know, 57, but then A-Rod, 34, and Manny Rodriguez, 32. Manny Rodriguez is almost off the ballot. So uh, the guys that have been implicated in PEDs are still not getting much love. No, I guess, and that's – the. What I don't like really quickly on this is I do like the fact that voters put their ballots out there. What I don't like is I don't understand Crowley. If you voted for a guy in 2022 and then you don't vote for the guy in 2023, when there's no restrictions on how many guys you can vote for, there are no restrictions on how big or small the class needs to be. How how does that work? How did one guy all of a sudden was a Hall of Famer in 2022 on your ballot, but now in 2023, he's no longer a Hall of Famer and they're not steroid guys. I don't get it. That that doesn't make any sense to me. And that's when the argument about um, these writers being the ones that are controlling this, uh, there's some merit to that. I, I would, I, I would say it's, you know, some people, I hate that idea of, well, he's not, he shouldn't be a first ballot hall of famer be, because Babe Ruth wasn't a hundred percent. Like I hate that mentality. And there are still some people that hide ballots. Um, there are other I'm okay pe- with first ballot and then second ballot. If you don't make it the second time, then you're no longer a hall of famer. You're no right. longer under consideration because the back of your baseball card isn't changing, not getting any better. So the either one thing- you are or you're not. I get. I get. I think there is okay to have a, di- a difference between first ballot and not first ballot. That that's okay. I can live with that. But the fact that guys are sitting around on these lists for ten years when there's no limit to how big or how small a class needs to be is ridiculous. And Gary Sheffield floating around for a decade on this damn list. I think with Sheffield, you have to you know put into mind he got he got in trouble with the Balco scandal. Um, he was never tested positive, but he was definitely implicated in that. I would say that sometimes though, Dustin, when you take a look at it, as we learn more about baseball and advanced sabermetrics and stuff like that, you learn things about players that really kind of blow your mind. So sometimes, you know, when you compare say Ron Santos numbers to another third baseman, maybe in the nineties or two thousands, they may not look at impressive, but you're talking about the era. You're talking about certain things that we look at now, you know, like people never cared about on-base percentage in the eighties. We never talked about on-base percentage. Nope. Now it's a big thing for a lot never. of people. So, so I think maybe that really kind of has to do it is as you're learning and, and maybe there's certain players that just didn't get exposure. If you're out in the West coast, maybe you didn't get as much exposure as the guys in the East coast who, you know, there's so many writers and all that stuff. It's different. So I, I don't mind it. It's just sometimes 
the rationale is kind of dumb when you read some of these rationales. I just don't get it. No, I don't get it. I think, either. I think, I think it was a John Heyman who said something like, I, I'm not voting for Billy Wagner, but I hope my vote doesn't cost him the Hall of Fame. You shouldn't care. Either he is or he isn't in your mind. That's it. Put the vote out. Right. You know? Yeah. All right. So let's uh, wrap this one up, Crowley, with some uh, national TV dates for the Cubs. You're going to start seeing these, and hopefully they're not going to be too bad as far as the Apple and the Prime and the God only knows what, but TBS. But you can always listen on 670 The Score and the free Odyssey app. How about that? Hall of Famer Pat Hughes and All-Star Ron Coomer. But uh, TBS just announced his first half TV schedule, and the Cubs are scheduled to play three games Tuesday, April 9th in San Diego, Tuesday, April 23rd versus the Astros, and Tuesday, um, May 22nd at home versus the Braves. Or so, or 23rd, I believe, at, at home versus the Braves. So, if you maybe don't have marquee or can't get marquee, but you got TBS, you got a couple opportunities to watch the Cubs. Very cool. Also, again, don't forget, listen to them on the score. Well, Crowley, that's a wrap. Don't forget, listen, download, review, subscribe to the Fly the W podcast. Follow us on all the socials Facebook, Instagram. Of course, we're on Twitter. You can email us, fly the W670 at gmail.com. And now you can watch Crowley and I on YouTube by subscribing to. The 670 The Score YouTube channel. Crowley, have a fantastic rest of the week. Have a good weekend. I've only got three football games left in this year. I'm a little sad, but uh, hey, what are you going to do? I'm ready to welcome all the football fans back to the baseball world for the Fly the W podcast. Go Cubs! It's all over.